Hello, hello. You have just joined the Frame of Mind Coaching Podcast, and I am Kim Addis, president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching. As you can see, we have a new co-host today. I'm super excited to introduce him. We have Dave Gorham with us. Dave, say hello. Hi, everybody. Happy to be here. Awesome. So let me introduce you to Dave. Dave is not only an amazing friend of mine, he's also uh, one of our most senior coaches on the Frame of My Coaching team, and I have known him for a lot of years. And the way that I met him was that he was one day looking for a coach, and he and I spoke. And he was my first ever one-on-one -on -one coaching client. I don't know what, thirteen, fourteen years ago. It's yeah, it's at least thirteen now. Yep. Um, and and we started our journey, and here's basically what happened. It was early on in my career. I was only coaching groups. And Dave approached me and he said, I'm looking for a coach. And I said, I'll take you on. But in the back of my mind, I wasn't sure. I wasn't 100% sure I was comfortable coaching one-on-one -on -one only. But I said, okay, let's go. We started to coach. And after every conversation we would have together, he would say these famous words, I hate you. And, when, <laughs> and as soon as he would say, I hate you, I walked away going, yes, I'm an amazing coach. Um, and as you can see, we've stuck together for a very long time. And so I'm really, really happy to have him here. And uh, Dave, we have something to discuss that I think is really, really interesting. Excellent. I'm, I'm excited to hear it. But I want to say I remember it differently. Really? Yes. How do you, you said, remember it? You said you need to coach with me. And I said, uh, let me check into that. Really? Yeah, that's what I remember. Okay. But of course, but of course, you know, big egos, right? Well, I remember you were looking for a coach. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay. Anyway, so that's not the point. I, I want to share with you a story. I want to share with you a story. Uh, so a few weeks ago, I was in Baltimore. I was at this conference. The conference was for diverse suppliers. So apparently, as a woman-owned business, Frame of Mind Coaching qualifies as a diverse supplier. It kind of you know, shocked me a little bit that I was considered diverse, but okay, fine. I, I went to this event and the goal of the event is to meet procurement officers whose mandate it is to bring in diverse suppliers to their organizations. And so I went in and, you know, like you're there, you're hunting, you're trying to make connections, you're trying to have great conversations with people. And, you know, it's, it's a little tough. You're doing the trade show circuit. You're walking from booth to booth, trying to find the right person to talk to, trying to differentiate yourself, trying to make a difference. Anyway, four days later, it was like the last night of this event. It's the final tribute dinner. And I'm walking out of my hotel room to the convention center. And there's this woman, I read her badge and she's from Pitney Bowes. And I see she's dressed up and I say to her, hey, are you going to the convention center? She says, yes. And automatically we walk off together towards the convention center. We strike up this incredible conversation about who she is. She's the VP of supplier diversity for Pitney Bowes. Amazing, right person. You know, like I've struck gold. I found that needle in the haystack person that I really wanted to connect with making the whole entire conference worthwhile. All right, so we're walking, we're talking. She's asking me questions about coaching. I'm telling her about frame of mind coaching, about how we get our clients to journal, about our focus on mindset. I'm talking about how you know, our style, our approach, our philosophy is so vastly different from other coaching companies. And she's really engaged and interested. In fact, 
I think she's so interested that she's even contemplating getting coached herself. Okay, so I know we're hitting it off. It's going amazingly well. And I decide to give her a book. I happen to have an extra book in my purse. I gave her a book, one of my books. And she's like, wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And I said, can I get your card? And she didn't have any cards left. She only had one card that was hanging on her lanyard. And so she lifted up her lanyard and she said, take a picture. Great. Amazing. All I needed was her contact information. I take a picture. And two minutes later, someone approaches her and says, excuse me, I think you dropped something on the floor. She looks down and it's her card. She only had one left. She needed that card. And all of a sudden she takes this massive breath. She pauses and she slowly, slowly kneels to the ground to pick up the card. And you could see that on her face was extreme agony. She was in a lot of pain. Yeah, physical pain. Physical pain. And I'm watching her as she gets up and I'm like, are you okay? She says, I have a terrible backache. I don't know what happened, but I must have pulled something. I'm just in agony, in a lot of pain. I said, well, I could have picked it up for you. And then I looked around and I saw around her, not only me, but a hundred other willing candidates to pick up her card. Right? But she didn't ask for help. Right. And it occurred to me, and I see this all the time when we coach leaders, they don't ask for help. Right? Even when help is readily available, even when it's right there at their fingertips, they refuse to ask for help. They're not comfortable asking for help. So you're a coach. I'm a coach. We've been doing this for a while. Why is that? Why don't people feel comfortable asking for help? Um, Really, really curious that we're talking about this because you didn't lay the groundwork before our uh, little podcast here. This weekend, one of my good friends I was with, and he said to me, it was in a conversation over dinner, he said to me, I noticed that you don't ask for help. Why don't you ask for help? And that was a good friend of mine, not a client. You know, has been with me since uh, 16 years old. It's that's weird now that we're talking about this. So it's I think it's a great question, right? Uh, part of it, from a from a business standpoint, I think has to do with we say we're coaches, we want to be a coach, we go after being a coach, then we become a coach. We think we need to have the answers. Um, so you know, for me, it's part of that, but it's also part of my personality, which might be why I became a coach because I want to dole out the information. I want to help people. And the person who is helping people, um, maybe it's more in our Western society, people who are helping people shouldn't need help because we have the answers. I mean, that's the first thing that comes to mind. So as a coach, you're speaking from that perspective, but you're also as a a leader, right? So why don't leaders feel comfortable asking for help? And let me kind of just step back and say to you that I do a lot of presentations, you know that, and in the presentation, something comes up. I run an experiment with the participants and they do this experiment and every single time they do the experiment, they never, ever, Mm -hmm. ever ask for help. Yep. So it's a condition you could say, right? Right. right. And so, I've done that. I've done that same experiment. Right. So what are the beliefs that leaders have, leaders, coaches, that leaders have that's that prevent them for from asking for help? What is going on? I can take some guesses. What do you think it is? Well, I think it's we 
we are put in a, we put ourselves in a position to think we need to have all the answers. Okay. Right. Um, and if, if we intellectual for me, right. If I continually to intellectualize my business coaching business, or even just being a leader, I will feel as if I have to have the answers because it's more tactical. As, okay. opposed, as opposed to being more an intuitive leader or coach where it's really about listening and just being with the person or the team. Um, that kind of sheds some of the pressure to have the answers. Um, I can sure, but, but let's not go so far into that. Like here you have a leader. She has a backache. There are a million people around her and she's not asking for help just to pick up a card. Right. We're not even, there's no answer required. So right? my car- it's my card. It's my responsibility to pick up the card. It's the first thing that comes up, right? Interesting. It's my trash. Well, yeah. So it's interesting because, so I feel like there are lots of beliefs that come into play. So one of them that you just identified was, I need to have all the answers. Another thing that came up was my stuff. I'm responsible for it. I've got to pick it up. It's nobody else's job. I think that there are other things at play too. I think some of the beliefs might sound something like, hey, Asking for help is a sign of weakness. Yeah. yeah. Right? I think that's uh, probably top on, on a lot of people's list. Right? Like it's a sign of incompetence. It's a sign of a shortcoming. And as a leader, my belief is I'm not supposed to. I'm not allowed to. I shouldn't have any shortcomings. Yeah. I'm showing you the way. So I must have all the answers. Sure. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I think comes up for a lot of people, and I see it, is that they don't perceive to have people around them to help them, even when people are right there beside them. Well, and also, the first thing that came to mind when you just said that was giving people permission to help. In a split second, how do we give somebody permission to help if, in your in your example, that woman who dropped the card... Um, she has to think first before she gets that card or, or act for the card. She has to look around and actually engage somebody. And that's, for a lot of people, that's scary. Yeah, it creates a great deal of vulnerability. Yeah. Right? So, so and it's a very, very interesting uh, puzzle because what we see, and it's a bit of a contradiction, is that amazing leaders leverage their resources. Yeah. They figure out who's the best at this job and they outsource the job. They right. find talent, they find resources, whatever that is. And, the, and you could say their talent is outsourcing work. Right. And they know also that they can't do the job or the task as well as that person, which right. is why they know, they know that it's better to delegate than to keep it. That's right. And so there's an interesting flip of a switch that needs to take place for a lot of leaders where they are used to carrying the burden of responsibility on their shoulders alone, where they're used to forging ahead in front of everybody and charting the path, where they're used to being bold and strong and maybe the smartest in the room. And the flip of the switch is, I can't get to where I want to go with this kind of thinking. Well, uh, part of it that comes up for me is uh, not having all the answers is actually a strength. The, the real strength is understanding that first and then asking who, who might have the answer. So in your quick scenario, who's, who can help me pick up that card? Standing right in front of her was a perfectly healthy 
woman to grab a card that just had fallen. So she's got to actually be strong in her own um, person or leadership to say, hey, Kim, can you pick up that card for me? My back hurts. Or she doesn't even yeah. have to say my back hurts, right? Yeah. Hey, can you do me a favor? I have a really bad backache. Can you can you bend down and pick it up for me? And, and you would have said reason, no, right? You would have said no, absolutely course. not, right? Of course. Of course. It, would, it would have been my pleasure, right? Correct. Yeah. Not only my pleasure, my honor, because right. it was one step further to building that critical relationship I was so desperately after, right? Right. right. So, so it's very interesting. There's a lot of things at play here. Uh, when we think about leaders and we think about what they do in terms of accessing the resources that are right in front of them. So one is, do leaders ask for help? And if they don't, what behavior are they modeling? What are they telling their people? Maybe they're telling their people, hey, it's not cool to ask for help. And so if leaders are kind of used to carrying the burden on their own and they're not used to sharing and they're not used to saying, hey, I need your help, what are their people doing? They're also carrying the burden on their own. They're also well, not accessing their the resources around them. Right. And two things happen in tandem. The leader doesn't reach his or her potential. And she she or he does not see or instill in the, the team to be able to reach their potential. Correct. And strategy is limited and creativity is limited and use of resources is limited. Well, and, and delegation is looked at as a weakness. Yes. In a scenario like that, delegation is looked at as a weakness. And I will tell you something else that's very interesting is that leaders, mostly, they care about speed. But what they actually do when they don't delegate and when they don't ask for help is they slow things down. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I did here um, at the brokerage from uh, from a management aspect, not a leadership aspect, but management, just managing tasks was to say um, for myself and the and my business partner, everyone below us needs to say, hey, you are becoming the bottleneck because we don't always recognize it, right? There's a blind spot in a leader to recognize that they're the bottleneck. So we've instilled in some of the, the people that are just be- below us in the organization to say, hey, you have to point that out. You have to point to, to us and say, hey, I can pick up that card for you. Right. Because we're at sometimes have that blind spot to not be able to ask for help because we're thinking it's part of our job to, as a leader. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so let's go one step further. When you empower your people to say, I can pick up that card for you, they need to know that that's an okay gesture. Yeah. They need to know that they're allowed to offer their help. Yeah. They need to know that they're allowed to step up, that they're allowed to cross over into territory that wasn't conventionally theirs. Yeah. Right? Yeah, which expands them, right? Right. But so often, as leaders, we want people to stay in their lanes. And when they try to cross over territory, we say, hey, you can't do that. Go back into your lane. Because it freaks us out somehow. It confuses yeah. us. It creates you know, a bit of a threat somehow. And so there's so many elements at play when we look at this conversation that says, as a leader, how do I grow, right? How do I get from here to there? And oftentimes what leaders do is say, okay, well, here are the 10 things I need to do in order to get from here to there. And, and the conversation I always have with leaders is, hold on, you don't need to do anything yet. What you need to do is look at how you think right. about leadership. You need right. to look at how you think about delegation. You need to look at how you think about your team members and what they're capable of and what you're willing to hand off to them. And yeah. then when your thinking is lined up with your goal, then you take action. Yeah. 
Yeah. A lot of times that's, that's exactly where I am with my coaching clients in the beginning. They're always thinking about what do I need to do to be better or what do I need to do to get out of this mess? And it's really taking that step back to say, <clears throat> what is my thinking? Where's my, where are my thoughts that led me to where I am today? Right. And that's really the biggest piece of that coaching model at that point. Right. And so what we see is that you're th the thinking that got you here, and you've heard this a million times, will not necessarily get you there. Yeah, but it's worth repeating over and over and over. Right. And so this whole entire conversation is really about, hey, if you're a leader and you want to reach certain goals, your first step is to really stop and examine how you think about everything. And ask yourself is if the way you're thinking about things enables you to reach your goals or actually prevents you from reaching your goals. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So Dave, <laughs> you talked about a brokerage, but I don't think anybody knows what the heck you're talking about. So can you please oh. fill people in? Sure. I moonlight in real estate and property management and I own, um, I own a, a brokerage. So there's lots of uh, moving parts to it and I'm in a coaching role in that company. So, you know, my, for me, um, owning that company now, uh, over the last say six years as my coaching, um, strengths and experience grew, owning that company grew more into being a coach in that company rather than say an operator or an owner. So really my job there is to coach them. So I coach so, them in running the business. So you're walking the talk. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing because, you know, my strongest belief is that amazing leaders also have very, very strong coaching skills and you're yeah. demonstrating that right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. So it, what would you say is the number one coaching challenge you have as the leader in your company? Um, letting things breathe, right? What does that mean? So that for me, that means um, I want something. I want something done, or I want to enhance a specific, you know, process. I ask for it to be done, and then I need to step back and allow the the people that I put in charge to actually get to what what I want as an end result. But really, it has to be their way of getting there. So my biggest challenge is not interfering in that process. So it's like a bottle of wine that you open and you want it to breathe. It tastes much different if you take a sip immediately as opposed to you take a sip while it's uh, after it's breathed a little bit. So from that right. standpoint, um, a couple people in my business, I've, I've, I've watched over the last five years that the more I'm on them, the less further they go. Right? right. So it's like right. managing over leading. Right. So I found that in my past, I was managing a lot with these people as opposed to leading them. Right. So that's and the biggest one for me. It sounds like what's required to lead them is trusting that they have the capacity, the skill set, the desire, the intellect, the resourcefulness to figure it out and to succeed and to rise up to your vision of success. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, a, a flip side to that in that I saw that in them initially because I'm the one that hired them. Right. So it's really a reflection on me, whether it's they're doing well or they're doing poorly. So when they're doing poorly, um, I take a uh, high responsibility to that. I don't think a lot of leaders could say the same thing. It's scary. It's scary. It is, <laughs> it scary. is scary. Yeah. 
it's and the truth is if you're a leader look at your team look at your business look at your whole entire uh whole entire business and understand that where you are is a reflection of you yeah as i was saying that to you i'm thinking that i don't i do that much easier in my coaching practice where I don't take ownership of their successes and I don't take ownership of their failures. <clears throat> I'm there to witness, help, guide, that kind of stuff. Uh, that's much, much easier for me um, in that setting. But over the last five years in managing and leading the business, um, I found that my coaching expertise and growth has really crossed over and infiltrated that business to where now I'm actually able to um, – trust myself and take responsibility for myself, allow them to fail or succeed. At this point, either one is just as good because we're going to get to where we need to go. It takes a lot of discipline to do that. Yeah. 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 Amazing. All right. So here we go. If you are a leader having trouble asking for help, if you are a leader and you have people on your team and you aren't so sure about your impact on their performance. If you are thinking that you want to get to a new place and your thinking isn't taking you there and you need a little help, you need a little tweaking, then I invite you to come to frameofmindcoaching.com and check us out. Take a look. Look at what we have to offer. Look at what we're up to and try us out. We offer a complimentary coaching call. It's an hour, no strings attached. And usually that call will have a transformative effect on your life. So I invite you to try it out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until we see you next time.